What we discovered creating the online course is a staggering 80% of the population has some sort of breathing problem or are breathing incorrectly. But if you're an athlete in training, again, almost no one is breathing correctly for higher performance. The latest science is showing if you're breathing through your mouth while exercising, it's very unhealthy in many ways, but that's not enough. We focus on the mountain athlete because at higher elevation, it adds another element of stress to the respiratory system and to performance. So we tested our breathing methods at 8, 10, 12, and 14,000 feet to solve many of the common problems like headaches and elevation sickness. And we did it through breathing. You'll hear us talk a lot about a closed balance system of breathing because it solves many of the issues athletes face. Of course, that improved breathing for the general population tenfold. That's why we think this is the ultimate online breathwork course. We've only scratched the surface of the benefits of this breathwork course. Visit us at mountainwellness.life to learn more and get your copy of this course today. Mountain Wellness, optimizing human performance to extend longevity for mountain athletes. I know, this is like, this is hangout. Hang out with our with our tribe. <laughs> what up, mountain athletes? Welcome to another episode of the Mountain Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Reed. And I'm joined as always with my co-host and mountain brother, Mr. Mike Mahina. What's going on, dude? Ah, California to Big Momo. I cannot believe what kind of a mountain wellness team we have put together. I know. Shout out to the team. Uh, Mrs. Shave, right up front. We got to give her some love. What she's, what she's done to get everything together for the Governor's Cup this weekend. Um, and then GoPro games as well. So you guys are... What is it? It's, it's Wednesday, June 8th. Um, we, uh, Mike and I, so we, we recorded yesterday... Uh, which would be Tuesday, and um, we're on a plane right now. Mike and I are headed to GoPro Mountain Games in Vail to, to do the damn yeah. thing. So, <laughs> like so Mike much said, stuff. <laughs> <got> so much stuff. <laughs> right? Going. Shout shout out to the team. I mean, it's been um, everybody. It's been incredible. Like uh, right before we started recording, Mike said, "You know, it's interesting. We're usually going into the podcast. We're." Uh, it's a little bit high energy and and um, not stressful, but we're we're putting our show notes together and kind of prepping, especially when we have a guest on. And, and we both said that, man, this is like relaxing with everything that's been going on this <laughs> this month. We we were really looking forward to uh, pushing the record button today and hanging out with you guys and and talking some more performance breath work. So welcome yeah. to the show, everyone. And as always, I got my my delicious coffee. Oh. What you- I got I to gotta tell you about the, your coffee. So la- yeah. I, think we, I don't know if we talked about this on air, but you were telling me about how the Yeti, particular, in particular, the Yeti mug doesn't change the taste profile. And I've been having issues because when <laughs> I transfer coffee from a mug to a, to a, uh, like a tumbler, the whole taste is completely different. And I didn't like to do it. I'd like, nah, I don't want to put it in there. So I did what I, I ordered that Yeti as soon as you said that it keeps the taste profile. And sure yeah. enough, my coffee tastes the same as it does uh, if I'm, it's in a mug. And I couldn't believe how much it hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. 
<laughs> That's right. So you I've, got it. <laughs> so how do you got it? I've Yeti. reached the highest uh, level of coffee snobbery now. <laughs> I was just thinking of like, man, you really we're now we're nerding out not just on the coffee but the actual uh, flow rate of <laughs> of the mug. <laughs> and I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but it was off uh, off the podcast. Mike and I were talking about how it, it's crazy how different mugs that you drink out uh, that you drink out of can change the profile, the taste of the coffee. Yeah, um, at least that's been my experience. And, yep, uh, mine too. So no affiliation, but shout out to Yeti. I think they're the the best drinking experience, especially with coffee. Yeah, who knew? It's those mountain brands. They just they just go the extra mile. That's right. Hopefully we're hopefully our tents popped up right next to Yeti because I know they have a big presence at the GoPro games. I might accidentally wander off with a nice chest. <laughs> um all right <laughs> little uh what'd you call it the the yeti ice challenge we might we know, <laughs> we're just oh, putting we it out it, there but. you called it the yeti ice plunge man we get it's uh they have a big size <laughs> one big enough to put a person in the ice chest so i think we need to do that one of these years yeah uh, i'll let you demonstrate that one um you <laughs> Just some guy in Texas bought one of the Yeti ice chests and he just, he gets in it and that's where he does his cold training and then he just closes the top and it stays cold for like, like he said like 10 days. And I was like, that's amazing. Actually, that makes sense. Those things are so bulletproof. What's their, uh, their taglines like built for the wild. I love that. That's such a, yeah. Is that what it is? I don't even know. Yeah. Built for the wild. Definitely. Um, all right. So should we dig in? Um, we got, so we're doing a three-part series. If you're just tuning in today to this episode, um, we uh, we'd highly recommend that you go back and listen to last week's or last episode, which was CO2 tolerance. So we're uh, covering uh, basically a three-part series on our breathwork methodology, uh, our breathing system, which is called the closed balance system. Um, the closed balance system is based on three biomarkers of respiratory performance, uh, which is going to be CO2 tolerance. We went over that last week. Why CO2 t- tolerance is important, especially for mountain athletes. Today, we're going to dig into uh, the biomarker of force rate uh, and why force rate is important. And then uh, next week or next episode, which I think we're planning on recording at the booth. So Mike might do some live demonstrations <laughs> uh, and and we'll film that so it'll be a little bit more interesting than just listening to the audio because we know yep. breath holding is prob- <laughs> probably not that exciting Spoiler, um, we'll but be that, at 8 thousand feet <laughs> yeah dude um <laughs> so I'll, I'll be monitoring mike close with the co2 monitor and uh making sure he doesn't pass out on us just keep uh, me propped up so. that's all you gotta do <laughs> <laughs> um and then the third biomarker is going to be capacity, um, lung capacity, or just capacity. Um, and uh, those are the, like I said, the three biomarkers that we based our our methodology off of, as far as improving those biomarkers. And if we can improve those biomarkers, we are performing better across the board. Um, oh, absolutely! Recovery, um, actually, on the trail, in our mountain pursuits, um, and then our overall longevity, our health span, and our lifespan is going to dramatically improve um so without further ado let's talk some force rate i think uh to kick it off because i love stories um we alluded to it last week mike but 
I think it'd be fun for you to share your your first experience uh, when I was showcasing the bison breath in a circuit, um, in, <laughs> which bison breath is is uh, is force rate. It's a great example of force rate, but I think that'd be fun to kind of kick it off. Absolutely. Way. You know, it's interesting because we talk about, uh, you know, I've been doing the nasal breathing for a while on the trail. And when you're nasal breathing on the trail, most people are aware that uh, if you, well, there's few people that do it, uh, even though that's the proper way to breathe. But uh, the interesting thing about it is it doesn't require heavy breathing, unless maybe you're going uphill. And so I thought I was really maxing out my my lung capacity and everything uh, in the way that I was breathing. And to a large degree, I was because of, you know, using nasal breathing um, and, you know, activating the diaphragm, all those things. But it wasn't until I got to Montana and you and I started working on the closed balance system and realized the benefits it had uh, in every respect uh, of health and longevity, as you described. But when Corey got on the the rower, because we were doing a test of... uh, what was the test was regarding it? Well, it was, it was describing force rate and how you control your... your. Uh, yeah, and we were exampling the basically the ability to maintain nasal breathing in an anaerobic state or at, a, at like basically VO2 max, like full out sprint. And I, no, now I remember what it was. We, just before we did that, we both laid down side by side and we're doing a breathwork exercise. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> we, yep. We started, remember? We started and all of a sudden... Out of nowhere, I Corey starts breathing, and I'm like, "Whoa, what is that?" Like it sounded like a <laughs> bi- like a bison or a bear was in the room because I one time when we were at a campground, I heard a bear take a breath through a one of those steel canisters, a, beth, uh, a bear container, and that thing breathed in as hard as it could to just check out everything that was inside of that container, and it, you, know, you could hear it, you know, from from yeah. twenty yards away. And so when we were sitting next to you, I was like. You started breathing like that, and it reminded me immediately. I'm like, okay, he's breathing at another level. Even after I'd already been doing that, running uphill, I wasn't breathing at that kind of a force rate. So I was kind of stunned by that, and I I immediately needed to know more and how he got to that point, why he developed it to that degree. And then that's when we we started talking about strength and conditioning, and I think you could probably go go from there. But uh, yeah. that was unbelievable, the, the uh, exchange of, of gases that you were doing, uh, carbon dioxide and oxygen. Yeah, and it was, um, I can't remember if it was last episode, we, we've done a few on breath work, but, you know, talking about, um, it was interesting because Mike and I for, showed up for the first week to, to start the course production-wise with cameras and everything, and we quickly realized within the first few hours that we were there to develop a methodology, not actually start shooting a course at that point. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Mike hadn't, uh, showcased the CO2 tolerance test yet, or like his, his extreme breath holding, which I was floored at. And so, you know, that uh, basically I was showcasing, uh, a, a other aspect of our, our, basically our, our methodology, um, which is force rate. And the reason that, you know, now that we've reflected on things and, and we're looking back, and I would also add, Mike and I are, are even, this is evolving constantly. Um, mm-hmm. and sure. Now that we have a framework, I was thinking about this this morning as I was preparing show notes and stuff, but now that we have a methodology and something to work around with those three biomarkers, 
when you know re- new research is coming out uh like mike had shared something with me yesterday um uh, is it patrick McEwen's new book uh yeah mike? yes yeah well, and let's give him a shout out what's the name of the book mike oh uh, that is the oxygen advantage i believe it is called the breath cure okay and he he had a previous guest of ours friend uh george dallin phd out of Colorado State University that's published some research, early research on the benefits of nasal breathing with endurance athletes. Um, and they, there was uh, a, a few biomarkers in there that uh, were showing, um, basically proving, uh, um, you know, why the closed balance system is, is so advantageous, especially as it relates to nasal breathing. So it, it's, it's great because as I, you know, as I said, we have this framework or this methodology and, and now when research is coming out and just basically confirming what Mike and I have already known and tested and, and put in this course. Uh, but we could also say that that's the beauty of the platform that we're on. We have, we're constantly adding, um, you know, stuff to it. If, if new research is coming out, we're, we're making sure that we're adding that to the, um, you know, the, the appropriate content in that related area. So, pretty cool part of our, our performance training course anyways yeah um, <laughs> back to force rate so as we were developing it you know we realized um, we were both really focused uh, um, or we put hyper focus in different areas so Mike really put a lot in the co2 tolerance and I was developing force rate really through my um, training so my, my cross training and and it's interesting because what we've learned is we one the closed balance system reinforces a, a an even exchange rate, but as we start to um, increase our aerobic capacity, so our our basically our energy demands um, on all systems, we have to have a, um, we have to increase our exchange rate. So that could be our breaths per minute. Um, and then the actual volume or amount of air that we're moving in and out. Um, and then, uh, so those go hand in hand. And what we have found, and also some, some research is confirming this, is when, and that's what this, uh, the, uh, that article or um, the research article that you referenced, Mike, the other night in the email, was talking about just by going to nasal breathing um, on average, you're talking about 10 breaths less per minute. Um, but the interesting part about that is with 10 breaths on average uh, per minute, there's actually more exchange, so uh, more flow, more air going in and out. Um, but cool little you know, side note, Kelby, one of our athletes, came in last night, and he's got, um, he's got a watch he runs with and does some pr- pretty cool quantitative data. And uh, he was telling me, he's like, dude, I busted my nose or hurt my nose last week. I think he cut it on a piece of glass. Damn. And uh, so he's like, I haven't been able to nose breathe, uh, but he's training up for a marathon. He's got like two marathons coming up and then he's doing the 50K in the Elkhorn Endurance Run. And he's like, dude, it's so interesting. I, I went out on my, I think it's a eight miler, something like that. I think eight miles, nothing too extensive. But he said that, he did the same course last week, nasal breathing. 
And then yesterday he did it, and uh, on av- his his heart rate was on average twenty beats uh, higher per minute. Um, and he said it has like a correlated color when he's running, you know, to kind of right. keep him in that that target heart rate zone. And uh, he said, you know, the whole time he's running with nasal breathing, it's like in that yellow. It's like in a it's good yellow. I think green area, but the whole time he was breathing, he said, even off the start, the first mile was like in that more orange, almost red zone, Um, which is, that's also a great, you know, aside from force rate, but everything goes hand in hand is when we, uh, you develop strong force rate, maintaining nasal breathing with an even exchange. um, It's also an RPM gauge. It's a really good way to gauge your heart rate. And that's what I found in my training applying nasal breathing early on i mean i was literally like six or seven years ago um when i was still in crossfit you know we like literally like mouth taping like a take a tape mouth tape tape my mouth get on a rower and and just do like a circuit a crossfit circuit um and i remember having like really bad anxiety like (laughs) it was so interesting because that that went back to co2 tolerance that it was that wasn't even force rate at that point because Ah, the rise in CO2. We're talk- yep. Yeah, because we'll, we'll talk about that next week, but capacity. So when we start, when you start, um, when you uh, adopt the closed balance system, it's going to take time to develop capacity. Uh, but CO2 tolerance is part of developing that capacity and force rate is, is part of developing that capacity, especially when mm-hmm. we're talking about energy demand. So going back to cross training or strength training, or working in, let's just say, zone training, um, whether it's aerobic, which would be considered like just you know jogging, so you're you're not like uh, not not super, you're not not, not high output, um, and then you would compare that to like a CrossFit workout where you're working primarily in an anaerobic zone, so you're not really holding a conversation uh, with your friend when you're training, um, <laughs> and then we got you know full out. Full out max effort which we demonstrated in the course as well um but that there's phases we can't you can't just expect to adopt the closed balance system and jump right on a rower and hold a 500 meter um (laughs) sub two minute um just nasal breathing because that's that goes to developing capacity but we can't develop capacity until we develop co2 tolerance and then also force rate so um and I know we're, we're getting a little into the weeds now, so let's um, let's back it up a little bit and, and simplify force rate um, so we can understand it a little better. So basically, when we think about force rate, let's think about strengthening our breathing muscles. That's like basically mm. what we're talking about right now. Perfect. Um, that, that's, that's the easiest way to understand what it is. Um, Especially that diaphragm. And, yep, and it starts with deep diaphragmatic breathing. So you, 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 when you nasal breathe, it's, it's a lot easier to activate the diaphragm. Um, and we give you examples in the course of, I show you there's, there's one module where I'm laying on the table and I have a lacrosse ball on my stomach. And it's pretty funny. It like, it rolls like all the way up to my chest <laughs> um, when I take an inhale and then rolls back to my belly button as I exhale. Um, but it's showing you, you know, when you activate the diaphragm, you really see your stomach moving, not just your chest. Oh, so you we want to start. Yeah. I got to add something to that real quick. Um, 
it's interesting because a lot of, I know in some of the other breathwork courses they talk about you know a heavy focus on the diaphragm and, and and trying to see what it's doing and feel what it's doing. But George, who's done a lot of the research, uh, just said you know once you switch to nasal breathing, it is a natural that air is going deeper on its own. You don't have to force yourself to think about your diaphragm. It's going there. That's the primary yep. difference between nasal and mouth breathing. And that's why it's such, you know, there's such a difference in cascading effects within the body that are so much better. So I just wanted to mention that you don't have to freak out over your diaphragm and how to work it. It's working itself. If you're nasal breathing, you're already down the way. That's a really good point. Cause we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, kind of to cap everything up at the end but like the yeah developing developing capacity you also develop um it, it becomes second nature it's not like you're like oh i need to make sure i'm nasal breathing oh i need to make sure i'm doing diaphragmatic breathing oh i need to make sure if you just like anything else you keep training this way whether it's in your uh, um, strength and conditioning um like your cross training or it's actually on the trail on the bike in the boat, kayak, etc. Like it, it, it gets to the point where you don't even think about it. And Mike, you even said it last week when you mouth breathe. Now it's like, Ooh, that felt weird. What am I, why did I just mouth breathe? Uh, it's just very, it's almost like alarm bells go off. Yeah. And your system just automatically um, adjusts to the new way of breathing. Right. So we start to develop stronger breathing muscles and, and the diaphragm is, is one. I mean, we're talking, a lot of them from deep down in the diaphragm, uh, intercostals, all the way up into you know small muscles in the rib cage, uh, the sternocleidomastoid, uh, the scalenes, which are the neck muscles. Um, those are all really, really important for force rate and, and exchange. So meaning the inhale and the exhale. And when you're talking about increasing energy demands and going up from just like, uh, you know, sitting here on the couch, podcasting versus sprinting on the rower, you know, there's a lot of thought in the space that, well, you can nasal breathe up until a certain point. And then once you exceed like VO2 max or getting into that really anaerobic glycolytic zone that, that you, you're not going to be able to maintain uh, nasal breathing, we've proved that's not the case. Like it's, you know, obviously not clinically <laughs> back peer reviewed research, but that's the thing. It's like in human performance, um, that's typically what happens. It's like, we can pull enough information from research that it's, a, that's emerging. Um, we can start experimenting with our athletes ourselves. Um, you can see, okay, well, you know, there's, it's working on Mike, Mike and I, we've been doing this for, you know, seven, eight years we start applying our methodologies to our athletes. Oh, look, this is, wow, this is, it's working. There's something to it. Um, and that's typically what, you know, in human performance, that's what happens. We can't sit around and wait for research to, to prove what we're doing works <laughs> when we know it works, but it is exciting <laughs> when the well, research and, comes out to prove it. And I, and I think what's interesting about that too is, you know, we, we know we're probably one of the first breathwork uh, systems that is coming out with the fact that you can do nasal restricted breathing in any capacity, regardless of what you're doing. But when you do have to switch to mouth, mouth, breathing, mouth restricted breathing, yeah. Once, yeah. Once you switch to mouth breathing um, at that point, when you're hyperventilating everything, it's actually 
all of these negative health effects begin to cascade in the opposite direction. So it becomes, an, in my mind, an unhealthy endeavor. And we have all the, you know, the science and the data backs up that, that claim. So, Well, just the fact that we know that uh, by mouth breathing, heart rate jumps up on average uh, 20 beats per minute. Well, that was, that, that was at least with, with Kelby. So, um, you know, that's going to be obviously different with everybody, but even the, the article you sent me the, the other night, it was like, uh, just the, if we think about endurance, right. Um, if we can have a, if we can have, uh, not basically not put as much energy or output, um, and we can go for a longer period of time. That's good. And if if you if you look at like lower heart rate and then even respiration, so breaths per minute, um, and the fact that when you nasal breathe versus mouth breathe, you're talking about ten breaths less per minute. Now, every time you breathe, that's an exchange of gas, and there's byproducts. There's it's called reactive oxygen species. So if you're talking about running a 50k or a 100k ultra. And we, we start doing the math there of like, okay, how many breaths are you going to take in a hundred miles if you're mouth breathing versus if you are nasal breathing on the closed balanced system, mm-hmm. how many breaths are you going to take? And when you're talking about a hundred miles and that'd be really interesting. Yeah, to, those aren't to easy breaths that. either, right? No, that's like, you know, you're probably talking to thousands in the, as far as like, in the difference of, of breath and exchange. Um, now that's like from a recovery standpoint and a, a sustained endurance, like sustained output. That's incredible because now you're talking about a lower resting heart rate. So if we're not exceeding, uh, you know, our anaerobic, we're, we're kind of cruising right in that, that aerobic anaerobic state uh, in our, in our endurance pursuits, especially in a race keeping the heart rate at, you know, your target, everybody's got different target heart rate. Um, but if you can cruise at that target heart rate uh, and nasal breathing allows you to, you know, have a lower resting heart rate or not resting, but, you know, at, at your aerobic output or your anaerobic output in a hundred miles, like think of how much less your heart has to work. Um, and we know too that, you know, it's, you're talking about increased stroke volume too, as well. When you start to optimize your respiratory system uh, yep. and your cardiovascular system. And when we breathe right, guess what? We strengthen our cardiovascular system too. So hundred miles, uh, you know, basically your heart's not working as hard uh, and your respiratory system is not working as hard. And all you got to do is breathe through your nose. You know, but it's it, interesting because so. I can say this now, which is based on what you just said um, and in part on George's research um, is that basically if you are doing long-term endurance racing, 50, 100 miles, uh, and you're doing a lot of those kind of races and you're breathing through the mouth, that is setting you up for potentially long-term health effects. I mean, that's that's been established very clearly in the data. Um, yep. And that's not, that's not well, widely known, but it's, it's an important factor. I mean, he, the runners need to know this, that there's a big consequence for mouth breathing long distance. Well, it is pretty well known in the ultra space or at least, yeah. uh, you know, triathletes uh, at the higher level that endurance sports, especially for 
long durations or long careers can cause some hardening of the cardiac muscles in the heart because the heart mm. is working you know hard for so long and if you're talking about career triathletes or career ultra runners that's why it's so important this is what we're talking about this is why it's so important if you're talking about being able to reduce your your heart rate and, and mm. get into a a better targeted heart rate zone so you're not creating as much downstream effects because that's what recovery is about right when you you start pushing it uh we have right. to recover from that you know basically everything that happens but if we can nasal breathe in, in a with ultra athletes or endurance athletes like we're talking about longevity because you're not right. putting as much stress on the heart you're not as putting putting as much stress on the respiratory system um, and that's where, yeah, and, and that's where the data is pointing at bronchoconstriction, exercise-induced bronchoconstriction, and the athletes and pro athletes having a higher degree of asthma and heart arrhythmias. And there's a number of different things that are more insignificant in data points from uh, pro athletes. Yep. So, okay, a couple different thoughts because I, I don't want them. I don't want to. Um, mm. I don't want to let them go. Uh, number one. Why don't you go ahead and give them the example of Sonia um, Sonia Ross? Is that the gold medal four hundred winner? Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, yes. she had so made the. This is a great example, right, of what we're talking about. That's why I want you to talk about this. Yeah, I think it was interesting because we discovered that uh, through some research that Sonia Richard Ross, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, yep. uh, multi gold medalist. Um, in the 2012... The recent uh, Olympics, yeah. Or, yep, oh, in 2012, yep. 2012, there's some great photos of her actually winning the gold, and she is breathing comfortably through the nose, and you can see her counterparts, who were actually very fierce in the competition as well, but they were hyperventilating through the mouth. And it was very striking because you can see how relaxed she was. It wasn't just that she was winning at the race nasal breathing and out ahead, but she was comfortable and relaxed. And so that would speak to what Corey's talking about, a lower heart rate. Uh, her ventilation was reduced by, uh, I mean, even in the research, it shows by 20%. So these are significant differences. And you're in, in one of the photos we have, and maybe I'll put it up. I, I think, I, I'm not sure if I can. I'll have to make sure I can put it up as a, as a thumbnail so you can get a look at it on the podcast. But, you know, she's breathing comfortably, not not as stressed as the other runners and still out ahead. And I think that's a, an incredible testimony to describing visually exactly what we're talking about that's taking place in the respiratory uh, system. Right. And, and I think this is a perfect segue. That's a great example. It's a 400 meter runner. So you're talking about max effort, like the best athletes in the world. You know, it's pretty much they can, they can sustain that 400 meter at max effort, like everything they have. Uh, I think what's so great about that is the athlete next to her won the silver medal, but she's mouth breathing. So it, it, it basically proves that both can be done, right? Um, nasal breathing takes a little bit more time to develop. Like you got to train it, especially if you're not a nasal breather to begin with. Talking and that's about, where the tools are in the course is, is to, is to yeah. give you the tools on how to get there. Exactly. But if we look at the, the other athlete in the picture uh, who is mouth breathing, who won the silver medal, uh, she's an Olympian. She won the silver medal. It's the, 
at that point, the second best female runner in the world in the 400 meter sprint. But it would be so interesting to see the biomarkers on that because oh, I guarantee yeah. the reason why her face looks the way it does and the way she feels the way she does is because she has an uneven exchange. And when we say uneven exchange, we talked about that last episode with CO2 tolerance. The, the body is constantly trying to keep a homeostasis of O2 and oxygen. You can't, you can't just have all oxygen in your system. Um, right die right, right. right and so it basically the body's constantly trying to regulate this exchange of gas from, from o2 that we breathe in we inhale to the co2 that we exhale if we have improper breathing mechanics we have weak breathing muscles and at the very worst we're breathing through our mouth we're talking about the worst three things for an uneven exchange of gas so think of, a, uh, I mean, that's a, good, a very good point. A good, right. The good, a good example is like when we mouth breathe, it doesn't matter. Um, w- even if you're conscious of it, you just tend to have more shallow breaths and you breathe into the chest. Like it's just hard to get a, a full, even exchange. Yep, and we'll talk chest. about that. And right. in the next episode about capacity, because, um, uh, the great i'm forgetting uh the study that mike referenced in the course uh the longevity study mike um oh, the, the framingham the, study framingham, framingham study right. right it they looked at like and this wasn't even a this was just like looking at biomarkers for longevity like people that live the longest and the one right this one is general really population to, right right just the, general population and what's the one thing that you know is pretty good indicator of living a long time and it was lung capacity like how big your basically how much volume or how much lung you know big your lung capacity was um and the crazy part is there's so many people out there especially athletes that aren't utilizing full lung capacity right Um, and 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 that takes developing these these musculature uh breathe you know uh, muscles that are responsible for breathing increasing force rate and you know that's i want to touch on with going back to the, the two runners there in the even exchange. Yep. I got something for that too. Develop the closed balance system and you, you adopt it, I should say, and you start to train it. What you're going to find is your force rate is going to start to go up and it's very important for your force rate to go up. And when I say force rate, I'm really in particularly talking about the, your exhale because we know, um, I wish I was good at remembering damn studies, research studies. It's in the course, but basically we learned that it, it, that as you exceed your um, basically your zones as you go up in demand your energy demands you need to you know you need to be able to exhale more air than basically you're breathing in and that's where that even exchange comes in so it's not just about the same inhale uh, the amount of air going in and and the same amount of air going out um, it really and that's where that bison breath comes in that Mike was joking about because I was, I think I was doing a kettlebell, it was like a kettlebell pull up, uh, box jump workout or something like that. So very anaerobic. Like, I mean, I was very glycolytic lactate builds up, but by maintaining nasal breathing through that whole circuit, um, what you'll, what you'll hear because in the course, you'll hear the force rate. You'll hear my exhale. It's very prominent. It's very loud. And, that's 
it's literally what it is. It's force. It's it's pressure. I've developed very really strong muscles. Mike has has as well. But the stronger your muscles out, the faster you can blow. The more air and the faster you can blow it off. And that means you're bringing air back in. And um, you, you it, it's basically you create this even exchange. And you don't end up being like the the runner you know, that's mouth breathing in that 400 that looks completely gassed because I guarantee if she had to run another 400, um, she yep. probably wouldn't be able to, she wouldn't be able to sustain it. That'd be an interesting test too. Well, have and Sonia run the oh 800. Oh my gosh. And, and talking about the two Olympians again, let's look at one other thing that's happening there that's determining why she's relaxed, nasal breathing, and still out ahead. Um, she's going to have, because she's breathing through her nasal cavity she's going to have a higher co2 which we know the co2 is presence is going to help offload oxygen into her system the -hmm. other runners who are hyperventilating likely upper chest um are blowing off too much co2 and so they're are going to have less oxygen delivery and that's based on stuff we teach in the course about the bore effect but yeah so there there's the you know the data backs up what you would be seeing in a situation like that and that's what i want to that's the connection i want you guys to make is like that's a sprinter. That's a 400 meter sprint. And, and it's a great in real quick time to see, you know, what's going on in comparing nasal breathing versus mouth breathing. But think about mountain pursuits. Most of the stuff that we're doing is yes. very endurance based. It's very, especially because we're putting ourselves in a hypoxic environment. So we're already adding this additional stress to the system. Even if we're trained yeah. up, you know, we could be fit as cardiovascular, respiratory, all that. But as soon as we go above 8,000 feet, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, okay. I consider um, that a hostile environment. That's what our training right. is based on is hostile environments. Right. So that's that's the whole idea is if you can adopt the closed mouth system, maintain nasal breathing in all capacities, especially in endurance pursuits in the mountains, you're talking about longevity um, and not just longevity from the, the general definition of health, you know, better, longer lifespan and, and health span, but longevity in your mountain pursuits means you can be riding that yes. bike for a longer period of time. You can be running for a longer period of time. Um, so it, it's, you know, that that's, we're all about performance, but longevity is just as, you know, it's, it's top up there as well. I want to be running with my, my grandkids and maybe even my great grandkids. Right. You can see how the studies like the Framingham study that we've, that we referred to about longevity for the general population, that it comes down to lung capacity. You can see how that all ties into the same thing that we're doing in the mountains and the same ability to what Corey's saying is for long-term health. It's, it's, this becomes a way of life. And that's why, you know, we're so focused on it as a, as a foundational part of, you know, mountain wellness and our pursuits in, yeah. in the mountains. And, and I know there's got to be some people out there and shout out to our, all of our loyal listeners, but you might be thinking like, man, Mike and Corey are really like hitting this breath work um, thing hard. And yeah, of course we're, we're launching our course. We're totally stoked about it. And it's been a long process and we're really proud of what we've put together and we know it's going to have an impact. Um, at the highest level on with elite athletes, but down to general population. Um, but more so this, like when we look at human performance and the foundations of human performance, without a doubt, I put breath at the top as number one. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. If you optimize your breath and you learn how to breathe right, it, there's all these sort of, let's just call it downstream effects and, uh, and other systems start to optimize when we're talking about cardiovascular health just right. by breathing right. Um, oh, you know, our, our physical, uh, our physical fitness improves when you're, you're breathing. Right. So, you know, I've noticed that, uh, recovery. So I still love CrossFit. I, you know, I still do a lot of, uh, a CrossFit style training from Olympic lifting and powerlifting and circuit training and very anaerobic. And, um, I can tell you that when I adopted the closed balance system, I just don't get nearly as sore anymore because of all the things we talked about. So, and that's even exchange and, and all that stuff. So it's, uh, I mean, we can go on and on as far as the benefits, but, uh, for the sake of today and it being force rate, (laughs) we'll stick to just force rate. You know, it's interesting though, because the diaphragm is a, is a pretty strong, powerful muscle. And I was just reading this the other day from Patrick McEwen. We saying that, it's, it's very interesting. So when runners get wobbly legs, I guess this is the thing that happens. Um, that is the diaphragm stealing blood from the legs. And of course, if it's stealing blood, it's trying to steal probably oxygen, I'm imagining. If so, if you're not breathing correctly, um, it's, it's affecting your performance right there. When, when your legs start to get wobbly, you're done. Or headed for injury. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like, that's the worst feeling. So I feel amazing. that way when I'm uh, backpacking, like when I get above 8,000 feet, um, 40 plus pounds on my, my back. and <laughs> uh, Yeah. They call it blood stealing. Being an amputee. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's crazy. So but remember the body, okay. when we're doing the closed balance system, man, it's, 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 it's taking the blood, the, o- the most oxygen rich blood you have for in, uh, when we're doing the training, we do talk about CO2 training what we're talking about now and it's just it's giving you that extra edge in at every point in the mountains yeah 100 percent. okay i think we uh did a good job sort of covering uh surface force rate the benefits of it um if you haven't checked out last episode co2 tolerance make sure to check that out because you know these are very complimentary when we follow up on the next episode with capacity and bring it all together uh yeah you'll see what we're talking about um so mike and i like i said we're we're probably on a plane right now we recorded tuesday um this episode it's wednesday right now june 8th we're headed to the gopro mountain games in beautiful Vail, colorado it's going to be my my third time doing the gopro games first time mountain wellness is having a presence like we actually are setting up a booth so if you're going to be in the Vail area uh, or even planning to to come to GoPro Mountain Games, please stop by our booth and say hi. We would be, I think that would make me more stoked than anything having a podcast listener come by and and say what up. Um, and uh, Mike and I will be podcasting from the booth. Um, we're gonna be, I mean that's the plan. We're gonna make it happen. Uh, but we we don't know where exactly. Like just. We're probably going to do morning recordings. I think that's going to be the best, Mike, if we can get yeah, down there early it, it, we'll before get there's a lot of traffic. Quiet. Yeah, for sure. That's the plan. Corey we, said, that's the plan. Anything can happen, but that is, the, <laughs> that is the plan we have prepared for and brought all of our cameras and recording gear for. So. Yep. So, yeah, please stop by if you guys are going to be, uh, you guys are going to be out there. And um, last but not least, um, the best part. So... We are launching the Mountain Wellness Performance Breathwork course 
It's going to be June 9th. So you guys are listening to it today, June 8th. And the course is going to be available or is available right now. You guys have first dibs on it. This is literally the first announcement that we've made. Um, and as just a, a special thank you to you guys, because um, you've been on this whole journey, if you go ahead and, and type in tribe at checkout, that'll give you an additional 20% off of the course. So the course is retailing at 399 and that'll bring it down to 329 um, So that's just a little thank you for uh, from us. And uh, we know you guys are going to, it's going to benefit you like crazy. So like I said, you guys get, for, this is the first announcement um, a, a day before yeah. uh, we, we launch it out to the public. So uh, make sure to use Tribe at checkout, and that'll get you 20% off. Oh, and I should probably tell you guys where to go find it. Uh, really easy, mountainwellnesslife.com. Cruise over to our website. Uh, click on the menu. Um, there'll be a tab that says courses. Click on courses. That'll take you right to it. Um, if that doesn't work, if you can't remember that, just go to mountainwellnesscourses.com, and that'll also take you directly to the Breathwork page. So that's it. And what is the what is the code for the the uh, tribe? So just use all, tribe when you check all out. All lowercase. Um, I think it's all lowercase. Yep. I can't remember. No. Well, yeah, no. we might. <laughs> oh my good, good checking on that. Um, I think it is all uppercase. It is all uppercase. Oh, okay, gotcha. She asked me that. So all uppercase. Um, you can. If for it is all uppercase. I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure. But if for some reason it doesn't work, just try it lowercase. But hit us up. Um, yeah, hit us up. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll take care of it. Shale, uh, Shale, take care of you guys. Anyways, we're stoked. Um, that's it on forest rate. Make sure to stop by the booth. If you're going to be at the GoPro games, um, and, uh, yeah, make sure to subscribe, uh, find us on most social media platforms, uh, mtn.wellness on Instagram, uh, faith mountain wellness on Facebook and, uh, mountain wellness YouTube channel. Um, we always got some some stuff uh, over there. So, anyways, much love to you guys. Hope you have an amazing week and uh, go pick up that course and start learning how to breathe right. <laughs> Keep spreading that mountain stoke, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. information provided on the Mountain Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only and not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult a medical professional or healthcare provider if you're seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 